Welcome to Conversations in a Vintage Shop, a podcast from behind my counter between customers. Join me while I sit behind my retail counter and just have a conversation with you or with myself. While I look out the window, observe what I see, things that are happening in the store today, throughout the week, and just fun little stories that I have from my time as a business owner. This is something that you find interesting, and keep listening, and I appreciate you. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining me on episode three of Conversations in a Vintage Shop. And on today's episode, we are going to be discussing a topic that I have been super passionate about since I started collecting vintage, oh gosh, all the way back in elementary school. And it has a lot of relevance today, especially in the clothing community. And that would be the topic of size inclusivity, especially in terms of vintage or lack of inclusivity. And this is a topic that I have gone over many times with customers and friends and people who have come into the shop because there's no right answer and there's no one answer. And being a vintage collector, especially a collector of clothing, I've had these struggles, but also as a seller trying to procure pieces that can be worn by anybody, no matter what your shape or size. So I thought it'd be interesting to go over all of my experiences with that and also answer some questions that you guys had as well. So if that's something that you are interested in, stay tuned. First, I want to preface this discussion with two terms that I think are going to be really important to keep in your head, especially when I'm talking about plus size, size inclusive, and just regular sizing. And that is what exactly is considered plus size. You hear this a lot, and I get asked this all the time, do you have any plus size vintage? And my question always is, what do you consider plus size? And it's an extremely loose term, extremely loose term. And I say this because we all know you can go to different clothing stores and a size, let's say 12, that can be three different things to three different clothing vendors. (laughs) A size 12 could really be a size 10. It could really be a size 16. There is no method to that madness. It's whatever they deem to be an appropriate and palatable size for what they're trying to sell, which isn't fair and it's not right. And it's very confusing. But the definition of plus size I'm going to be referring to throughout this episode is the one laid out by Plus Model Magazine. And here they say, in the fashion industry, plus size is identified as sizes 18 and over, or sizes 1X to 6X, and extended sizing as 7X and up. Another term I will be using is standard sizing. And again, what is standard sizing? There's no such thing in today's fashion industry. 
but how I am going to define it and what I'm talking about are based on measurements. So to me, standard sizing is bust, waist, and hip measurements. That is how I measure all of my vintage clothing here in the shop. Nothing is labeled on my tags as a small, large, extra large XL. I don't believe in that. I believe in your measurements because measurements are numbers. They're quantifiable. You can identify them. They mean what they mean. So plus size vintage and then standard sized vintage. Those are the two terms I am going to be using the most. The one thing that everyone needs to remember when shopping for vintage clothing is when you go into different shops, the most important thing to realize is that we as vintage sellers, we work with what already exists. You can't duplicate vintage. We can't reproduce vintage. It is what it is and we have what we have. So if you go into a vintage store and let's say you can't find anything in your size, don't be discouraged, okay? We are working with what we find. Doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. It's just not what we physically have in the store at the same time. We carry what I call clothing unicorns. There's usually only ever one of them that you'll ever find. And if you don't find something in that shop that day, don't be discouraged. Again, we work with what we have And every vintage seller wants customers coming into their store to have a good experience and to be able to find something that they're going to love and cherish. So that is number one that I want everybody to keep in mind. We work with what we have. I recently asked on my Instagram page, For people who are curious about this topic to ask me questions, anything that they're curious about in terms of vintage and size inclusivity or plus size vintage. And I got a lot of really great questions and questions that I want people to ask me. Never be afraid when you come into a vintage shop. I can't speak for new clothing vendors, but I can only speak for vintage clothing shops. (laughs) Don't be afraid to ask because that is exactly why we're here. And one of the questions was, how hard is it to find vintage in larger sizes, if possible at all? And what I have found in both my experience as a collector and seller is it's location, location, location. Just like in the housing market, it's all about where you are. So here I'm in Fargo, North Dakota, farmland, a lot of country So what I found are just in general clothing pieces are workwear, they're daywear, they're casual wear. And if you think back into, let's just say the 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, in our area, you had a lot of um, working women, housewives, people working on the farms, outside labor. You had a lot of different factors where if let's say there was a woman who was considered plus size, she more than likely only had four to five pieces of clothing that she would wear on the regular. And if you think about the clothing that we have, although it's not quite the quality that they had back in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, you can imagine the wear and tear on those certain garments. So if you had a woman who had 
a beautiful casual house dress, but it was one of the only ones she wore and she wore it every day, every week for four or five years. You can imagine by the end of that, it might not be anything but rags. And then a lot of times, since women back then knew how to sew, they would often make their own clothing. They would repurpose that. I've seen vintage clothing pieces be made into pillowcases, bedspreads, quilts, you name it. So it doesn't mean that they didn't exist. Just in this particular region, a lot of them ended up just getting run ragged. However, if you travel to, let's say, the eastern and western part of the country, you have a lot of women that were able to afford maybe more designer pieces, custom-made pieces, where they only wore it maybe once to twice a year if they had special events. And I always use this as an example. When I first opened my brick and mortar in the basement of um, the Delandrecy's building, I acquired a lot of, oh goodness, I think it was 30 to 35 plus size vintage pieces. The problem was a lot of these pieces had a lot of defects, whether it was tears, ripped seams, missing buttons, some stains. But overall, they were in fairly good condition, considering a lot of them are from the 40s and 50s. But this lot of clothing came from California. And there, people had the means, they had the opportunity to acquire things and keep things that would fit traditionally plus-size women today. So again, it's, it's location. And that's where it's really important as a vintage seller to travel to find pieces because, again, in this area, you get a lot of the same. And to diversify that, we need to travel. We need to source pieces. We need to hit the road. And not only does that make it more exciting for us, but it brings you, the customer, the opportunity to get pieces that you may not ever have been able to find or acquire on your own. This also leads into the next question that I got on Instagram. Were plus-size women and their clothes really all that rare decades ago? Why does it seem like beautiful pieces in larger sizes are such a rare find? And I get it. It's hard. Many times you'll go into a vintage shop and it's hard not to get discouraged because you see pieces that maybe are for 24, 25, 26-inch waists. However, if you think about that, If those are the only pieces left behind, obviously it isn't as common as you think. And with plus size vintage, another really key element that I was able to research more as a collector was the use of undergarments and foundation garments and everyday wear with women from the 40s, 50s, and 60s. And this came because I do have an extensive collection of vintage undergarments and foundation wear. I love the structure. I love the the construction. It's nothing like shapewear that we have today. These pieces were meant to be an add-on for your clothing. And a lot of clothing back in those three decades were made specifically with the foundation garments in mind. And that leads me to another reason why 
plus size vintage is a little bit harder either to find or to find the right fit. For example, I have a 1950s beautiful silk wiggle dress with darting that goes along the bust, the side seam, the back. It's beautifully constructed. And when I'd first tried it on, I was extremely discouraged because it just didn't look right on me. It looked, it didn't look smooth. It didn't look as I had pictured it in my head. You see it on the hanger and it looks sleek and constructed, but on me, it looked like a nightmare. That was until I put my vintage foundation garments on. And I mean the overwire bustier with steel boning that goes down to your waist, the girdle that has the elastic and that can kind of suck and hold you in. It wasn't until I had put that on and put the dress back on that it transformed the outfit completely. The darts laid in the right spot. They hugged every curve. They hit every line and curve on my body perfectly the way it was made. And it's all thanks to my foundation garments. And one could say that these foundation garments were meant to oppress women, make this unrealistic body shape. I mean, everybody has their opinions on foundation garments in general. But how I see it is I see it as another added layer of construction to these garments to amplify the craftsmanship and the beauty of them. So again, there are pieces that I have in the shop that if you have some kind of shaper under it, it's not meant to make you thinner or to squeeze you into an outfit. They were meant to make the outfit better fitting and more constructed. And again, I had mentioned darting. Darting is something that we don't see a lot in modern construction of garments today. And those were to enhance the curves and your natural body structure. So when you're shopping for vintage clothing and things just aren't quite fitting right, or you think these outfits are too small, or how were these women ever these sizes? They weren't. They had their foundation garments, and this was just commonplace. And sometimes women would wear, oh, for example, um, a bustier, a steel bone bustier, with their girdle, and plus a waist cincher on top of it. And it could create a desired shape. And now we wear bustiers, waist cinchers, girdles, whatnot, because we want to mold our shape and be more artistic with our appearance. Back then, that was exactly what your clothing was made for, to fit over these pieces. So that's another added element that I like to remind everybody, that these clothes, especially in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, needed that extra layer to lay properly and to look as optimal as they could. Now, there is an exception to this, and mainly I'm talking about mid to late 70s into the 80s where shapes started to get looser. They started to get less form-fitting, a little bit more free-flowing. We all know those 80s silhouettes of the big wide shoulders and like kind of square body or triangular body and cut. So if you're trying to find more size-inclusive vintage, 
a lot of people end up going more towards the 70s, 80s, and some would consider the early 90s, mainly because the fit was a little bit looser. But I understand that is not always what people are looking for. The 80s is a very specific taste. (laughs) You either love it or you don't. And the majority of women really just love the classic silhouettes of the 50s and 60s. So what I've decided to do at my shop, because again, I work with what I have and I can't always get the most size-inclusive pieces that I would like, I have been finding vintage-inspired or vintage-reproduction brands that do have a full size-inclusive line and that are ethically made. Now that does come with a bigger price tag, I'm not going to lie. Clothing that is being reproduced to vintage looks, style, fabric, cut, you name it, they're not cheap. And that's another thing I feel like some people take for granted with vintage clothing is the fabrics, the make of it. It was superior. That's why it's lasted for as long as it has, with some pieces lasting 60, 70, 80 years. So if you are someone who just cannot find vintage in your size. And so vintage reproductions are more of the route that you may want or need to go. I know that the money aspect can also be very discouraging. I get it. And I have no remedy for that. I'll be honest with you. I get it. I can't afford to buy the clothes that will fit me properly or right. And I don't expect everybody to either. But we're continuing to try to make that better. And again, this veers off more of the vintage path, but going to making more inclusive sizing, more predominant, so you don't end up having to pay the money for it. And I personally think if any vendor tells you that you're buying clothing in size 14, 15, 16, 17 is more expensive because they use more fabric, that's bull. That's just what they're telling you to justify charging more. But here, with the size-inclusive lines that we carry, no matter what the size, the price stays the same. That's the least we can do to try to combat kind of how the modern fashion industry has treated men, women, all genders the way they have. I veered a little bit off topic, I get it. I get really passionate about these things. But again, never be afraid to call out someone or a business or a clothing maker for things like these. Because vintage is slowly disappearing. You're not going to be seeing clothing from 2012, 2018, from Forever 21 or Walmart or anything like that. You're not going to see those last. They weren't made to last. In the 80s and 90s and up consumer culture, things were made to destruct because they want you to keep buying. Whereas in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and early 70s, things were made to last. Durability was what mattered and counted. All right, so I'm going to hop off that soapbox, and we're going to go on to the next question. All right, so the next question is one that I'm very eager to answer Because this just goes back to kind of empowering yourself and taking back your size. 
And this question is, would you talk about how sizes and numbers have changed over the years? And it's no surprise to anyone that they've changed a lot. And I'll bring this back to again, there is no standard sizing anymore. (laughs) Clothing makers, manufacturers, vendors, shops, they can set what sizing means to them. I mean, we all know I grew up in the Abercrombie age where Abercrombie only went up to a certain size because the owner had said, that's the size of person that I want and can see wearing our clothes. And that's a huge disappointment. And this is where I want to empower you to really listen to what I'm going to say. When you look at a vintage garment, or you look at any garment in general, don't look at the size. Ignore the tag. Okay? Your measurements are your best line of defense. Your bust, chest, waist, hip. That is how you're going to find a proper fitting garment, whether it be vintage or new. That is the only standard sizing that exists. You'll see it with a lot of menswear. Menswear is dictated by measurements. Especially if you notice, if you've ever seen in men's vintage garments, you'll see like a 34, 36. That's typically the chest measurement. They don't go by small, medium, large. And sometimes you'll see that with even denim and in women's denim as well. You'll see the inseam and pant length and waist. That is the best tool that you have. And some customers, I've even been able to teach how to eyeball things. Trust your first instinct. You can look at a garment. If you really look at it and you get familiar with your body and your measurements, you can look at a garment and you will know whether or not it's going to fit. You don't have to be a seamstress. You don't have to know how to sew. You don't have to be particularly good at math. I know I'm not. But I can look at a garment and I know whether that is going to fit my body or not. So first, I'm going to say that. So going into the specific numbers that you see on vintage sizing, this was something that I wanted to do a little bit more research on because I feel like I'm so involved in the numbers and the measurements that I tend to just completely glaze over when I see any numbers on a vintage garment. But I did find a really amazing article, and it's on a blog called Pretty Plus Pep by Pepper Martin. And her blog post is called Vintage 101, Vintage Size versus Modern Size. What is your size? And how she had said is typically, if you think of clothing in the 60s and 70s, they can run about four to six sizes smaller than clothing sizes today. And that's keeping in mind if you're looking at a standard sized garment, which again is rare in itself. So think about that. If I come and find a vintage dress that says a size 16, in reality, it's probably conservatively about a size 10 in today's modern sizing. That's a huge difference. A huge difference. So why put yourself through that? (laughs) Don't look at the take. 
she even says in her article, ignore the number and focus on the measurements because that is what accurate is accurate. It's a number. It's physical. It's tangible. It's there. That goes to, again, don't be discouraged. It's what you see right in front of you. Look at the garment. Look at its shape. Know your measurements. Any good vintage shop is going to have a tape measure behind their counter. I have happily helped many a customer get their basic measurements and help them learn it so that next time they come in, they're more empowered because they know what they have and they know what they're looking at. So if you go into a vintage shop and you're curious, do not hesitate to ask. As I said, and I stand by this, don't at me. Any good vintage shop has a tape measure behind their counter or within their general vicinity. So don't be afraid. Again, you are the customer. I want to give you a good experience and I want you to leave here feeling better than you did when you came in. If you don't, then that's something we need to work on. It goes back to customer service, but also we create the environment. We set the tone. And I never want anybody coming in here feeling less than when they leave. So to sum that up, know your measurements. Don't get scared by them. They're numbers. They're numbers. They can't hurt you. They can empower you. One of the last questions that I wanted to answer veers away a little bit from the topic of size inclusivity and vintage, but I thought it was a really important question to answer regardless. And this was, what is the importance of wearing vintage versus wearing new clothing for the environment? And that is something that has really become part of the forefront in the fashion industry and something that people are becoming a lot more aware of. And I will say this, I'm not against buying new clothing. Hardly. There are some amazing companies that are producing new clothing with ethically sourced fabric. They pay their workers more than livable wage. And they're just amazing. So first off, support brands that support the environment and support their workers. But vintage, it, it is another form of recycling. And I see vintage as pieces of clothing that are historical garments that whether you wear them or not, they don't belong in a landfill. Preserve them, wear them, cherish them, but just keep them. There's something so, I mean, dare I say cheesy, but magical about a vintage garment knowing who owned it before, imagining who owned it before, you're adding your own story onto that and you just keep passing it on and passing it on. It's almost like a book, but one that you kind of have to learn the story yourself or write it on your own. But if I do tie that back into size inclusivity, that is, again, another really big factor in new clothing. Whereas new clothing brands, good ones are more size inclusive and they don't just end at a typical size large. 
So whether or not an item is vintage, if it's new, make sure it's just something that makes you feel good, that it was done right. It's good for the environment. It's safe for the people creating it. I don't condemn anybody who doesn't wear vintage, and I don't condemn anybody who only wears new clothing. I think our responsibility, whether it be size inclusive, environmentally friendly, worker safe, is just to be more aware of what we're buying, what we're putting on, and what we're putting out there. It's a little off topic, but I feel like this all ties back into the size inclusivity, especially when we have existing vintage that may not fit everybody. So you need alternatives. And if you can't have vintage, then why can't you have the next best thing, which is a vintage reproduction? And again, if it's ethically made, then what's the problem? I know that's how I've gotten by. (laughs) So I thought that was a really important point to end this on. And something that I just want everybody to think about. It all just comes down to empowering yourself to know more about what you're wearing, what goes behind it, the people who make it, where it comes from, everything. It's kind of the bigger picture here. So I hope that gives you some food for thought for the rest of the week. Thank you so much again for all of you who are listening to this humble little podcast. Or you're allowing me just to ramble and talk and it's almost like a stream of consciousness. <laughs> but thank you so much. And again, if there's anything you all want me to talk about, any topic, let me know. These are conversations that I have with many people coming into the shop and it's really fun to be able to share it with all of you. Because some people, whether they live here or not, can't always make it in here and have a good conversation. So I'm really, really excited to keep sharing this with you every week. And you can join in on the conversations that we're having every day in the shop. And again, no topic is off limits. In this shop, everything is safe. Every conversation is safe. And whatever you want to know, I'm here to talk about. That's what makes this such a great community. But again, thank you so much. I appreciate you. And I will see you again next week.